Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence here now. Holy Spirit, you are tangibly in our midst. You are on each one of us. Now thank you, Lord, that you are here with us, loving us, delighting in us. And Lord, as we come to your word now, I pray that you will open our hearts to receive from you. Open our minds, our ears, to hear what you have to say to us. Speak to each one of us now, Lord. And just use me as your instrument this morning. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So, we continue our new series looking at lessons from the life of David. Take the top end off, Rach, and the mids. Yeah. Um, continue looking at the series from the life of David, and today we look at Saul, the first king of Israel. Last week I looked at how it came about that it was possible for David to be able to take on the mantle of king of Israel, how the Israelites rejected the Lord um, as their king, despite all that Samuel the prophet told them, and demanded, they demanded to be like the nations around them and have a man as their king. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. 1 Samuel 8, 9, 19-20. They wanted a man to fight their battles, where God had been there all along to fight their battles, and they were rejecting him. Now, when you're at school, or maybe if you're watching online, you're still at school and either doing PE or were on a, a break on the playground, and you had two teams were being picked um, to, to play against one another, and you were given the task to pick one of the teams. How did you go about deciding who to pick first? Did you pick the most popular person or your best friend? Or the one with the best skills? Or did you pick the one who most other times was left till last? Or was it the prettiest or the most handsome, depending on what gender you are? How did you go about choosing your team? Now it seems that when God chose Saul to be the first king of Israel, that he used the last mentioned reason, the best looking, the most handsome man. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bechorath, son of Aphia, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. And he had, he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. For his shoulders up, from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. 1 Samuel 9 1 to 12. So Samuel was a tall, handsome 
young man, sorry, Saul, was a tall, handsome young man. And he's out with his father's servants looking for lost donkeys. When he goes looking for Samuel, the prophet or the seer, as some Bible versions put it, to ask him to help him find his father's donkeys. That's why Saul is looking for Samuel, to go and find, help him to find his father's donkeys. Little did he know that this was not the reason God had led him to seek out Samuel. But God was leading him to Samuel so that Samuel could anoint him to be the first king of Israel. So they, that is Saul and the servant, went up to the city as they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming out towards them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before, before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow about this time I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. 1 Samuel 9, 14-17 Samuel invites Saul to a feast and seats him at the head of the table, at the place of honor. And he is served the choice piece of meat. He gets the best piece of meat. And if you're anything like me or most other South Africans, a good piece of meat satisfies you so well when it's cooked well. Saul and the servants spend the, and his, and the, servants spend the night in the town, and in the morning, Saul meets Samuel as, had been, as, as he had been instructed to the previous evening before they head back home. Samuel sends the servant on ahead of Saul so that he can do what God has instructed him to do to Saul. He did it privately. Okay, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men at Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there further and come to the oak of, of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, one carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. After that you shall come to Gibeth Elohim, which means the hill of God, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. 1 Samuel 10, 1 to 7, and then just one verse on. When he, that Saul, turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass 
that day. What Samuel had prophesied happened to Saul on the way going home. Saul goes home but says nothing to his family of what Samuel did to him or said to him or what happened on the journey home, except to say that Samuel had told him that the missing donkeys had been found. A week later, Samuel calls the Israelites to come together to speak to them and give them their king. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. And when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship. And he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel went all, sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul must have been quite an imposing figure to be head and shoulders taller than everyone else. A number of years ago, when we were still in South Africa, we went on a mission trip to Taiwan. And there was a, a young man from South Africa who, who was living in Taiwan. He had gone over to go and serve there. He was six foot ten. And if you understand, the Taiwanese people are not the tallest people around. He used to cause accidents when he walked down the streets because most of the Taiwanese travel around little scooters. There are thousands of them on the roads. And they would be going down on their scooter and they would see Gary standing and like just... They would look up to him and crash their scooters or ride into one another. And he was six foot ten amongst these people that struggled to get to six foot. He was imposing when he, when he stood there. And Saul must have been something like that, where he was there, you could behold him, you could see him. In the crowd, he stood out. And um, God chose him to be the one to lead, to be the first king. So when the Israelites all went back to their homes, very little had changed. Saul was the appointed king but he didn't have the support of all the people. Some actually despised him. He was not really ruling over them. He was more a figurehead than a true leader. And if you read through this portion of Scripture, you see Saul is actually plowing the field when um, he gets called next, when God calls him next. He's plowing a field. Now, is that the duty of the king, to be plowing a field? You know, that's what the servants did, and yet that's what Saul was doing. But getting back to... The story here. Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, besieged one of the cities of Israel and threatened to gouge out the right eye of all the men of the city to bring disgrace on all Israel. Not a nice guy, is he? Saul summoned the tribes of Israel to come together and bring relief to the besieged city, which they did, defeating Nahash and his army. And that is when things changed. 
Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men, that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. 1 Samuel eleven twelve to 15. It took warfare to unite the people of Israel and accept Saul as their king. Now, because the Israelites were victorious under Saul's leadership, he's now established as the king of Israel. More warfare was to follow. Jonathan, his son, attacks a Philistine outpost, which causes the Philistines to rise up against Israel. And they were continually raiding Israel, the Philistines, and that was one of the main enemies that they had to deal with. Now Saul summons the people of Israel to come together to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites found themselves in a critical situation and were waiting for Samuel to come to offer sacrifices to the Lord on behalf of the Israelites before they commenced battle. They wanted to come before the Lord as a people and have the sacrifice offered. And Saul and the army were waiting for Samuel to arrive. But when Samuel didn't arrive as Saul expected, Saul takes it upon himself to offer the sacrifices something he's not been anointed or appointed to do. Samuel arrives just as Saul is offering the sacrifices and Samuel confronts him. Saul makes excuses, saying he felt compelled to do it as Samuel was not there and the people were beginning to leave. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. It's a phrase that we've heard, and we will hear a lot in this. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. 1 Samuel 13, 13 to 14. This is the first time that we see another man shall arise in Israel and be their king. This is where the door is open for David, a man after God's own heart, to become king. Despite this rejection of Saul's family line from continuing as king, the Lord still helps Saul and the Israelites to defeat the Philistines this time, as well as the other nations around them. Now there's a second time that Saul is told that the kingdom will be torn from his family line and another will rule as king over Israel. Saul is told to destroy the Amalekites and all their possessions because they waylaid the Israelites on their way to the promised land. They didn't assist them. They, called, they forced them to go travel around their land. They wouldn't give them passage through their land. Even though Moses said we would pay for any water or anything that we took we do. They wouldn't let them go through. And God said he would deal with them at a time. Saul and the army do not do this. They don't carry out the orders. The king of the Amalekites is kept alive, and the best of the sheep and cattle are not destroyed. And this grieves the Lord, this lack of obedience. Samuel confronts Saul 
who again makes excuses, saying he kept the sheep and cattle to make sacrifices to the Lord. And Samuel said, Has the the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23. When, when Samuel comes to Saul, and, and Saul says, I've done everything that you've done, he says, what's this bleating of sheep and this lowing of cattle that I hear? I just love that when he says that. Like, you said you destroyed everything, but why can I hear these noises? And then the king is still there alive. So Saul acknowledges that he has sinned and confessed that he did what he did because he was afraid of the people and gave in to them. Not something a king should be doing. He should be leading the people, not fearing them. The king was there to lead the people, lead them into battle, lead them in all the things of of governance and everything, not to submit to the people, but to lead them. Not to dictate, but to lead. In life, sometimes it's easier to just go with the crowd and do what they want, rather than trusting the Lord and doing what we know he wants us to do. Compromise and giving in to peer pressure is such an easy thing to do at this time. And we see it happening in the world all around us, where you get these little minority groups rising up with a cause, with something that they're looking for justice for themselves, and they rise up and they make so much noise that everybody has to listen to what they say and then start doing what they want to do, even though we know it's not right. And it's against God's word and it's against God's principles and it's just causing so much trouble within this world. God has called us to be in the world, but not of the world. We have been set apart for a purpose and to be the light in the dark world. We cannot give in to peer pressure and compromise. Otherwise, we'll end up like Saul and find ourselves outside of the presence of God. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. 1 Samuel 15, 27-28. Saul then begged Samuel to return with him to worship the Lord so that he would be honored before the elders and the people of Israel. He wanted to look good in the eyes of man more than doing what God had commanded him to do. Now Samuel does return with him and Saul worships the Lord. But that's the last time Samuel and Saul are ever together. They never meet again. Scripture tells us that the Lord grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. He then instructs Samuel to go and anoint the next king. Next week, we'll get to meet David. I know we said this is lessons from the life of David, but we are getting there. Next week, we will meet David. Amen. So, some discussion questions. What stood out for you in this message? Our popular one. Then secondly, do you know what God has anointed you to do 
And are you doing it? And thirdly, have you ever been in a difficult situation and you have called on people to help you? What did that do for your relationship with those people? Share. So we've all got stories where we've asked people to come and help, share, and then pray for one another. Okay. We've got 25 minutes um, to do, do that. Okay. Those in the hall, 25 minutes. Those online, thank you for being with us. You can take as much time as you like to go through these questions and discuss them. If you've got someone to discuss them with, thank you for being with us. And uh, if you want more information of what happens in the church, please get onto our website. It's www.gracevineyard.co.uk. Thank you.